don't get used to this month because it's almost over. Today is another Thursday, the eighth of the year, if you're counting. Specifically, it's February 25th, 2021, and this is another jam-packed edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, for another look and listen into items of note in our community. On today's show, Albemarle is seeking feedback into the Rio Road Corridor Study. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors are presented with a $466 million budget for fiscal year 22. And Governor Ralph Northam announces some easings of COVID restrictions on events. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, the Local Energy Alliance Program, your local energy nonprofit, wants to help you lower your energy bills, make your home more comfortable, and save energy. Schedule your home energy checkup to get started. Now only $45 for City of Charlottesville and Albemarle County residents. You'll receive energy-saving products and expert advice customized to your needs. Sign up today. As the pandemic in Virginia nears the one-year anniversary, Governor Ralph Northam announced yesterday the next steps on lifting restrictions now that certain milestones are being hit, such as vaccination targets. We've administered almost 1.7 million doses overall. More than 1.1 million Virginians have received the first dose. That's about 13.5% of the population. Daily vaccination numbers are down at the moment due to supply chain issues related to winter weather. Today, the seven-day average of doses is 32,569 a day, short of the goal of 50,000 a day. Northam expressed confidence that that would change soon. Last week, President Biden's administration announced a bump in vaccine allocations from states. They also increased the number of vaccine doses going to pharmacies in the federal pharmacy partnership. That means more pharmacies are coming online this week to start giving shots through that federal partnership. That will bring vaccines to pharmacies at Walgreens, Walmart, Giant, Food City, and independent stores. The details are still being worked out, but Northam said the efforts will work with local health districts to coordinate off-site locations. Off-site mass clinics will allow Walmart to vaccinate a few hundred people a day, and it will allow them to choose different locations each week based on need. All of these pharmacies will prioritize those 65 and over, and all vaccinations are by appointment only. So again, please don't just show up, but go on to our website or make the phone calls. Another factor leading to the decision to ease restrictions is the pending approval of the Johnson & Johnson version of the vaccine. Another is that the vaccination call center is now in operation, and the goal is to have those workers get people to appointments at pharmacies. Before going into details, Northam reminded Virginia why the state of emergency led to social distancing and more. Last year, to slow the spread of the virus, we put limits on how many people could be together at various events or in certain places of business. And it worked. As our COVID cases and hospitalizations went down, we slowly raised those limits through phased reopenings. But as the cold weather and holidays approached, cases started getting higher than ever before. So we took the sensible step 
and reintroduce some of those mitigation measures. Now case numbers are going down while vaccination numbers are going up. Northam said that means it is time to slowly begin to loosen up on those restrictions. The following measures go into place on March 1st. Alcohol sales at restaurants can now continue until midnight. It had been 10 p.m. The curfew between midnight and 5 a.m. is lifted. Outdoor gatherings can increase to 25 people, up from the current 10. Outdoor entertainment venues can increase attendance from 250 people to 30% of capacity with a cap of 1,000 people. Overnight summer camps can begin operations on May 1st if mitigation measures are in effect. If the trends continue as they are, cases down and vaccinations up, I would expect that by April we could be able to continue the 30% measure but remove the 1,000-person cap for outdoor venues. Today, the seven-day average for new cases dropped to 1,869, but today's one-day count did increase to 2,036. The Blue Ridge Health District reports another 75 cases, with 37 from Albemarle and 21 from Charlottesville. The fatality count continues to rise as a backlog of death certificate data is entered into the system. There have now been 133 deaths in the Blue Ridge Health District, among the 7,963 reported by the Virginia Department of Health so far. Yesterday, the House of Delegates approved a bill to require localities to provide in-person education as a default by this fall. Republicans had sought to add an emergency clause to Senate Bill 1303 to require in-person instruction immediately rather than wait until July. Here's Delegate John Ovoli of Stanton. We cannot afford to punt this issue another four months down the road, rendering the remainder of the school year, the entirety of March, April, May, and June, unaffected by this crucial legislation. Please, Madam Speaker, let us open the schoolhouse doors through the efforts of Senator Donovan and Delegate Van Valkenburg. However, Delegate Marcus Simon of Fairfax said he shared the concerns about getting students back to school, but noted that the original bill did not have the votes to pass the Senate with an emergency clause, which would take a four-fifths vote. This is a serious bill right now, with, with Delegate Van Valkenburg's amendments on it. It's a serious policy bill about moving things forward and making things happen. If we voted for an emergency clause and put an emergency clause on this bill, it would undoubtedly fail. Those amendments added provisions allowing students to opt out and to allow schools to shut down if there is an outbreak. The vote to reject the amendment was 51 to 47, but the overall bill later passed the House of Delegates 88 to 9. The Virginia Senate approved the amended bill passed by the House today. The Virginia Senate today approved the House amendments on a 36 to 3 vote. Albemarle County Executive Jeffrey Richardson has unveiled a $466 million recommended operating budget for the Board of Supervisors to review over the next several weeks. This year's budget theme pulls forward the budget theme from fiscal year 21, which was respond, recover, and recalibrate. That budget was altered on the fly as the economy was shut down in order to slow the spread of COVID-19. Positions were frozen, and both operating and capital expenditures were cut back, while the financial picture became more clear. Now, Richardson has presented a budget that allows for the county to move forward, with lessons learned during the pandemic. This year, 
We've added to that theme the word resilient because this recommended budget is designed to make strategic investments to transform our organization as the community around us transforms. One of those investments is the creation of an Office of Broadband Access intended to move Albemarle towards universal internet coverage. The office will have two recommended FTEs that will report through the county executive's office to support the work of expanding access in urban and rural communities to very different approaches and needs. The full force of this organization will support this office, which will work to tackle broadband using the equity lens. The recommended budget does not anticipate an increase in the property tax rate, which will remain at 85.4 cents per $100 of assessed value. For this calendar year, residential assessments are up by 2.8%, though commercial assessments are down an average of 5.5%. Richardson's new budget includes a move toward a $15 an hour minimum wage for county employees, as well as a 2% market adjustment. Here are some highlights from the budget. An expansion of Mountain View Elementary School will proceed. Five new firefighters will be hired to support daytime service at North Garden Volunteer Fire Company, plus a new training position and a new ambulance for North Garden. $3 million in funding for a business process optimization program to update various pieces of county software, including the land use permitting process and other systems. $600,000 in funding for affordable housing to be determined. $600,000 in funding to implement the Climate Action Plan, also to be determined. $25 million to fund the already approved renovation of Albemarle Courts in downtown Charlottesville. Two additional positions in social services for family preservation. And the budget is based on the creation of a local tax on cigarettes that would go into effect on January 1, 2022. Near the end of his presentation, Richardson sounded an optimistic tone. Lord, we believe that during the course of FY22, our economy will continue to stabilize. Uh, We'll know a lot more about our economy, our customer service expectations, and uh, what the public needs and expects, and the way we work. Supervisors did not have many specific questions during the presentation, but Samuel Miller District Representative Liz Palmer said she supported the investments in public safety at North Garden. The North Garden Fire um, Volunteer Fire Department is a wonderful building that's been kept up by those um, by the community for many years. It is a prime location for an ambulance. Uh, there are so many um, accidents on 29 North, excuse me, 29 South down there. The first public hearing on Albemarle County's budget will be held virtually on March 3rd at 6 p.m. Work sessions begin on March 10th and continue throughout the month. Stay tuned to the Week Ahead newsletter to learn when. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and this is the edition that went out on February 25th, 2021. Music for this program comes from contributions to and produced by the Valley Research Center. There's no website. It's mysterious. There will be more.
Tonight, the Places 29 Rio Community Advisory Committee will get a briefing on the Rio Road Corridor Study, a project underway that is in part a response to opponents of recent rezoning proposals on Rio Road East. They argued that Albemarle County needed to address congestion on the street before approving any more residential units. The firm Line and Grade was hired last year to conduct the work, following the work on a similar study of Avon Street Extended. The Albemarle Planning Commission got a look at the study's scope at their meeting on February 16th. David Benish is one of the county's planning managers. Uh, the scope of the study uh, is from the Rio 29 small area plan area uh, at the west to the intersection of the John Warner Parkway. Um, this study will also be taking into account traffic from existing and potential development in those approaching segments to this corridor. The study scope will evaluate the roadway and develop future projects to improve safety and create new infrastructure. It also will provide solutions to enhance the mobility and access for all users and all common travel methods. Benish said this will be the first time that Albemarle's Office of Equity and Inclusion will use their new equity impact assessment process. OEI's initial demographic analysis of the area reveals a quarter that is very has a very diverse population regarding uh, race, age, income, home ownership status, trans and transportation needs. A questionnaire for the project is currently live, and there will be a pair of kickoff meetings on March 11th and March 12th. Benish also told the Planning Commission that the Virginia Department of Transportation has recently recommended funding for a roundabout at the intersection of Rio Road East and the John Warner Parkway. And that's it for today's installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newsletter and Newscast, this being the Newscast podcast version. I thank you very much for listening. If you have enjoyed this program, please send it on to somebody else. And uh, do consider a becoming a Patreon subscriber. Uh, what that does is it gives me a certain amount of money each month. Um, generally, if you're paying for things on Patreon, you're paying for the general government research that I'm doing. Um, that's a good chunk of what I do each and every day. And uh, you can go there for a $25 a month subscription. You get four shout outs across the platform. That's an offer that's good for Patreon subscribers through at least the middle of this year. Uh, as I said, this is how I will stay afloat and how I will keep going. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. We'll be back tomorrow with another installment, and I thank you for listening. <laughs>